so it's a big deal. Thank you so much for helping me celebrate my 20th anniversary. You're welcome. That's so exciting. <laughs> You're listening to Happy Vermont, a podcast about people and places in the Green Mountain State. I'm your host, Erica Housekeeper. Susan Shashok of East Middlebury is the owner of Caroline's Dream, a small skincare company she runs out of her home. Susan first came to Vermont as a college student in the 1980s, and she's been here ever since. 20 years ago, she launched Caroline's Dream, named after her grandmother. Susan sells skincare at local shops and also makes deliveries on her big red cargo bike. Susan served on the town select board for many years, and she's now the town moderator for Middlebury's town meeting day in March. She's entrepreneurial, civic-minded, and a healer. I first met Susan in 2019 after I stumbled upon her Instagram account. I was instantly intrigued by her story. In this episode, Susan talks about life as a small business owner, the challenges and rewards of life in Vermont, and why she makes the Green Mountains her home. Here's Susan. Caroline's Dream is a skincare company, and I started it 20 years ago when I was first looking at trying to heal my own acne. I had really bad acne that went from teenager into adulthood, and I had used a lot of chemicals on it to try and make it better, but it was just physically painful, but also socially painful. You know, that going out into the world, when you have something on your face, it's the first thing that you sort of present to people. So I went around and I was trying every product out there and really never really found anything that made it better. And so I got to the point where I was like, how hard could it be to learn how to make some moisturizers for myself? I could put the things that I want in there. And so I did. I went and I took a couple of skincare making classes at an herbal conference and started making my own skincare and it worked. I looked better. I felt better. And then I started giving it away to friends and family. And then they started to ask me to buy it. And when I did that, I started my business. It was born. I started selling it to everybody who asked and it kind of grew from there. My kids really little. And so I was able to grow the business as a hobby into what it is now, which is my full-time job. And you started 20 years ago? 20 years ago. I know. I started making the skincare for myself for a couple years. And then it was 2001 when I made it official, launched everything, registered my business and started going. I wasn't on the internet. I mainly just sold to a couple local stores. And that worked for me. I just was doing it for fun and for extra and to take care of my own skin. I know that you can order Caroline's Dream online and you can find your products at places like Middlebury Co-op and you work with local farms at their CSAs. And I remember when I first learned about you, I loved the fact that you also make deliveries on your bike. (laughs) How does that work? (laughs) I know, it sounds weird. Usually you think about food and auto parts getting delivered, but you don't really think about skincare. But my bike is such an integral part of who I am. And I realized that for me, I had the wholesale side of things 
I had started to sort of grow the business in wholesale, but I realized in order to make money, I was going to have to really scale the business up and hire lots of employees and be everywhere all at once in wholesale in order to really make that work. And that really wasn't me. So I kept things and skewed them over to retail. So I have less than a handful of wholesale accounts. But I concentrate mainly on the retail side, which is online sales, which I mail out all over the country, but also delivery in my local area. And so I deliver to my local CSA, and everyone who places an order for retail places an order online. And when they're going through the checkout process, they can choose to either have it mailed to them or delivered. And if it's delivery, then I deliver to the local area here in Middlebury and East Middlebury. And sometimes people live outside of that, but they choose the delivery and I'll meet up with them in town. We just pick a good time that works for both of us. It's the most fun. I have this electric cargo bike. I call it the Caroline's Cruiser and I head out and I can deliver just about anywhere in Middlebury and East Middlebury pretty quick. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And you have that little sign on the side of the bike, right? This is Caroline's dream. (laughs) Can't miss it. And (laughs) I almost caused quite a few accidents going through town. (laughs) Because I also have one of those little dinger bells on the bike. So I'll ding the bell if people are just looking at me way too much. (laughs) Just try and say hello and then let them move on. Because there's a lot of rubbernecking when I go by. It's a really big, red, flashy red, fire engine red cargo bike. So there's no missing me going through town. I love it. That's great. <laughs> Since you've lived in Vermont, you went to UVM and you've been in Vermont a long time. Have there been any challenges that you've come across either living in Vermont and or running your own business here? That's a great question. I think the biggest challenge to living in Vermont is that the cost of living is high here versus what a lot of the available jobs are. My husband changed jobs a few times just for his own growth and interest. And we went through a time period where he was working at some new startups and one of them folded Another one had to lay him off. So we went through several years of unemployment stress. And I think there's two years there where we both had seven part-time jobs between us to try and make ends meet. And that was really challenging for my business. I mean, it was personally challenged, but also for my business because I debated a lot during those times. Should I just pack it in and go get a full-time job doing something else? You know, my degree is in food marketing and agribusiness, which is an easy fit for Vermont, but I just cared so much about my business and I loved doing it so much that I made the conscious choice to keep working those part-time jobs just to keep my business going. And that's a tough one for many small businesses, especially women. So many of us work the filler jobs just to keep our creative work going. And that can take a toll on you mentally as well. How do you work through that? And how do you stay inspired? Oh, I go outside. (laughs) I go outside. I ride my bike. I go hiking. I'm an introvert by nature. 
So I recharge by having long periods of quiet. So going out in nature gives me that. Those long bike rides, I get to think and work out any issues I have. You know, if I'm riding with other people, we can't talk the whole time. So there's still long stretches of quiet. But I like to keep up on current events. I read lots of books. I listen to lots of podcasts. I listen to lots of music during production days. And so I think just my family and customers keep me on my toes to find those new ways and better ways to take care of the skin issues that crop up and the problems I'm trying to solve. But definitely being outside is where I get the most bang for my buck inspiration-wise. Yeah. And you've been in Vermont for more than 35 years. Is that right? What year did you move here? Yeah. Oh, gosh. 85. I don't know the math. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Why do you stay? Like, why have you stayed here so long? You know, I think any place that would have great outdoor activities would get my interest. But Vermont just seems to have the right mix of arts, entertainment, recreation that keeps me happy. I mean, I like people and action, but I would not do well in a big city. So our smaller population works well for me. I love the change of seasons, that each season has a different atmosphere and activities outside. Spring feels like such a renewal. I'm so grateful for when spring comes around. I love all the summer activities. Fall is my favorite with the changing of the leaves. And I love that first snowfall through most of them, but those last couple in the winter. <laughs> Man, I want to love them, but I don't always. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hear you. Definitely. And I remember you told me that when you moved into your home in Middlebury, you're like, all right, well, we'll maybe stay here for a few years and then... <laughs> Maybe we'll go somewhere else or something. But you've stayed in the home that you've purchased many years ago. And, you know, you live right in in Middlebury. And I guess it's technically East Middlebury, right? Technically East Middlebury, yep. We're four miles away. So the outlier cousin city part of Middlebury. (laughs) What do you love most about Middlebury? It's funny because we we did. We sort of had this five-year plan of like, and then we'll go buy our dream house. And... 30 years later, we're still here. But I remember when we first moved here, I was like, "This, I really like it here. It's nice. It's cute. It's all these little things. And then we went to the community picnic, and everyone was so excited that somebody new had moved in. They introduced us around. They had all this stuff. And then, so everyone ate at the picnic, and then we stood up one by one, and everyone introduced themselves. And it was the most adorable thing. And every year at the picnic, it was the same thing. Everyone introduced themselves. And the funny part was they introduced themselves based on the of who lived in their house before them. So, like, we live in Goodrow's house. Well, it was Thomas's, Goodrow and Thomas's house. And so everyone had this sort of sense of history, keeping the history alive of where they were and what they were going through. And just fell in love with this place that just was so welcoming to everyone else and wanted to keep the history and who they are and where they were before. And we just found ourselves 
staying and staying and staying and really enjoying it. And the fact that it wasn't our dream house didn't really matter anymore. Yeah, it's funny how that happens. It's nice. In Middlebury, now that you've lived there a long time, are there things you've learned about the town that maybe people who aren't from there would be surprised to know about? It's so nerdy, but the <laughs> my favorite fun fact about Middlebury is architectural. We have this stone arch bridge that goes through the middle of town called the Battelle Bridge. And the story behind it, I just find fascinating. There had been, the town had lost several wooden bridges and different buildings that were in that area due to fires, several fires over the years. And in the 1800s, I forget when, probably mid-1800s, Joseph Battelle, who was had a lot of money and decided he wanted to have this stone archway bridge built. And apparently he took over town politics for a whole year trying to get his way and ended up spending a lot of his own money in order to get his way. And they built this really large stone bridge. But in order to do it, they had to, the other buildings that were in the area, they had to raise the whole road up 10 feet. So all the buildings that were already in place, you can go see them. This is the best part is next time you're in your Middlebury, go walk across the bridge, look at the buildings that are around. All the first floor of the buildings, they're now the basement. And so the buildings had to change their second floors into their first floors. And then there's all these sub-basement floors. And that's why the alleyways sort of drop off precipitously on either end. And so those alleyways, you're like, wow, like, how did that happen? Well, they did it on purpose because this one man really wanted it to happen and he was willing to pay for it, which <laughs> admittedly he had the biggest building in town. He <laughs> owned the Battelle block, but you can imagine the impact on everyone else and how dramatically the town would change because of that. And so whenever I go across the bridge, I try and remember I'm really looking into everybody's second floor windows. <laughs> I've never heard that story. That's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's interesting, too, because speaking of town issues and town politics, you yourself, you're a very civic-minded person, and you served on the local select board in Middlebury. And then more recently, you were elected the town moderator for Middlebury's town meeting. And you replaced former Governor Jim Douglas, who served as moderator for, what, three decades or something? And now he's a school moderator, is that right? Yeah, he's the ACSD school moderator. So, But he did it for 33 years. Oh, my gosh. Which is, that's really a tough act to follow. Well, but he's a good mentor. <laughs> he's a great mentor. And the funny part is, he's known because he remembers everybody's name. And I'm terrible, terrible with remembering everybody's <laughs> And I even had to have a little disclaimer when I had my first night moderating is that I am not going to remember your name till about halfway through the meeting when I am not so nervous anymore. <laughs> and it was true. And moderating is pretty interesting because we're sort of the referees of town meetings. Do you know what we do? I know, but I'd love for you to tell our listeners what a moderator does does. And I find it fascinating. You describe yourself as an introvert, but then you're up there at town meeting 
being the referee yeah. and having to kind of run the whole thing. That's very fascinating. So tell us a little bit about what the moderator does and why this position interests you. Okay. So moderators are the referees of town meeting. Basically, you can't speak unless you're recognized by the moderator to speak. So all the motions, all the comments, all the questions at town meeting are all addressed to the moderator. We use Robert's Rules of Order and Vermont State Statutes, and we follow those to facilitate the meeting. Basically, we're there to make sure the will of the voters is done. We have to remain impartial throughout, although there are a few places where we're allowed to break a tie or vote if we so choose. But most of the time, we're not supposed to be expressing an opinion at all. When I did it, because I've only done it once, and then we had the pandemic and we didn't have our town meeting, I reminded the voters that we have to keep the debate civil because moderators do have the power to ask the constable to remove anyone from the meeting, which is an interesting thought. I've never had to do it, and I hope I never do, but I do like to remind everybody I have that power. (laughs) Is that what interests you? but it's fun. I like being the moderate because I'm very patient and I love, I love the procedures. I'm a definite procedure person. So the Roberts rules, it's not intimidating to me. I look at it that it's my job to sort of maintain that space for voters to speak their minds and conduct the business of the town. Witnessing debate is always fascinating to me. Items that I thought would be hotly contested might go through quickly, and other discussions that sort of hum along in one direction, and you can tell everyone's going to vote that way. And then someone will stand up and speak passionately, convincingly, in the total opposite direction, and you can feel the room shift. For me, it's that kind of direct democracy that I love and support. So for me, I want to be in the middle of that. I want to make sure that everyone gets their chance to speak. People aren't intimidated. I want that sort of welcoming, this is the people's meeting, not anybody else's meeting. No matter what the final vote is, you know, that's why I'm there. And that's why I'm willing to overcome being an introvert. And really, it's just maintaining the rules and having to speak up and I can take a nap later and be my introvert self. So it works. <laughs> well, you sound like a perfect moderator. You know, really, you do. You do. Yeah, it's that intensity. It's this. That's what Jim Douglas and I share of that sort of excitement about the direct democracy. I think I'm looking forward to next year. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully a lot of people will come out to town meeting next year because I think a lot of people missed it. They maybe didn't realize they, they did miss it, but now they're like, oh, wow. That's important. Yeah, it is. And that's where this, the community comes together in such ways that we really get to sort of see and hear each other in a way that we don't normally. It's the yays and the nays that are in the same room together. So you're very civic-minded. You're community-oriented. You're a small business owner, a mom, a wife, a woman. How else would you describe yourself? Hmm. I'm definitely a healer. I've spent decades researching herbs and ingredients, 
how to mix them safely and effectively. But I also feel that healing goes beyond the ingredients. And by that, I mean a good herbalist will put a little bit of themselves into each product. I learned early on that when I'm doing production, I only do it on days where I can maintain a positive and focused attitude because every now and then when you're mixing oil and water to make a cream, because they do mix, that sometimes it wouldn't come together. That oil and water wouldn't mix or it fell apart pretty quickly within a few minutes after I mixed them together. And that only happened on days when I was upset or distracted. So it feels a little bit about that healing. You know, people say, oh, that sounds very witchy, but it's my intention behind the products that I make is also just as important as those baseline ingredients. And it's that sort of attitude that comes with it. And the energy that you have, that really matters. It matters because otherwise the products don't hold together. And people ask me sometimes, they're like, I tried making it myself. What's the secret? And I I try and tell them is that you really have to want it to work and you have to think about the people. I think about the people that I'm making it for each time, whether I know which customer or I know my customers in general, I'm thinking about them and wanting those herbs to really work for them. And on the other side of that, I think I'm, I look to be a good communicator. I try hard. That's one of my main goals, to be a good communicator. I post my email, my phone number on my website's homepage, which you're not supposed to do. That's like the worst thing. <laughs> but I want my products and myself to be accessible to my customers. If they're debating a question as to what kind of product to get or they got it and it's not working the way they want, I want them to contact me and we can work it out. I love questions. And for each order that goes out, I write a little personal note to the customers. My favorite thing is most of my customers write back. There's a little section online where they can write notes to me and they do. And they tell me what's going on in their lives. And I mean, there's lots of people around the country I haven't met but we have an ongoing conversation. And I love that communication that comes with the products that I make. I imagine that's very rewarding, especially to hear from people and have that ongoing relationship. That's really special. Yeah. I mean, especially with so many of the orders going through online, I don't, and I don't have a storefront. I miss that one-on-one with talking with customers and especially during the pandemic all the events that I would go to were canceled. So that was my lifeline of talking to customers. And it's very rewarding. You've been in business for 20 years. Do you see yourself just doing this for as long as you can? I think so. I would love that. I would love to keep making it, being able to keep working with my hands. You know, I've got um, psoriatic arthritis. So I'm hoping that my hands will day where I can just keep making everything. Definitely the next five or 10 years, I'm I'm in. I'm all in. My youngest just graduated from high school and he's heading off to college. And so my husband and I get to take time to explore being a couple again. My plans for my business are sort of the same way. I'm going to keep expanding online sales and deliveries. And 
I definitely want to keep doing the things that I'm doing right now. I really enjoy my life where it is. And I don't think I've said that each stage of my life, but right now I do. And being in Vermont all these years, you know, more than 35 years and being in business for 20 years and and you're into this place where you're really happy with where you're at and, and everything feels good. Is there any like lesson you've learned over the years from your experiences? When I first moved here, I took a public speaking class. I didn't do well in it. And the teacher wasn't very kind about grading me. Admittedly, for each of my presentations, I looked at the floor a lot. My hands shook the entire time, and I barely spoke above a whisper. And the teacher's final review included advice that I I never seek a position with the public. And I took it really hard. I took that advice for a long time and avoided anything that came close to public speaking. Then I came to realize that I saw it was holding me back. I had things I wanted to say and things I wanted to do. And I kept sort of fighting it. But then I was like, why am I accepting this opinion of someone who knew me so little, so little? And then when I realized if I can talk to one person one-on-one in small groups of people and it works out okay, then speaking to large groups of them at once shouldn't be so hard. And so I think the lesson, and I'm getting a little choked up, I think the lesson that I learned that I'm far more capable than I ever imagined myself when I was that young woman, and that what I have to say and what I have to offer the world is valuable. And so when I speak publicly now, my hands still shake, (laughs) at least for a little while, but my voice is audible and clear, and I can look around the room and enjoy being there with everyone else. And plus, it's kind of fun to be able to influence the room a little bit as that leadership, that element of follow me, we can be here together and I'll make sure you're okay and no one's going to marginalize you is a really nice lesson that I bring with myself in everything now. You can learn more about Caroline's Dream by visiting www.carolinesdream.com or by following Caroline's Dream on Instagram. Thanks for listening to Happy Vermont. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Pandora, and Stitcher. You can also learn more about Vermont's people and places by visiting my website, www.happyvermont.com. On there, you'll also find Happy Vermont t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts. Thanks for listening. Take care and talk to you soon.